Welcome to Radio Utopistan, to our dinner table, playground and community. To the radio that interconnects visionary people and bold ideas from around the world. My name is Elisabeth Weidt, I'm a freelance journalist reporting on topics like natural resources or radicalism. With Radio Utopistan I want to gather people that shine a more hopeful light on those topics. People with utopias. Happy if you come along. Since the last episode, Masht Majarawi, the engineer from Gaza, if you remember, she is part of a new project, the first parkour academy in Gaza. Parkour, the sport where they run over everything, buildings, rooftops, fountains, staircases, everything. So it's called Wall Runners. You can support it on GoFundMe if you want. I'll put it in the show notes. And today, we meet Udo in Berlin. Take care of yourselves, and if not, ask us. <laughs> Udo is taking care of homeless people in Berlin. He's a social worker for an organization called Karuna. And he invited me to come along with him for one day through the streets of Berlin. The capital of one of the richest countries in the world. Nevertheless, around 10,000 people live on its streets. The two main reasons? Poverty and a lack of affordable housing. Udo's Utopia, unconditional basic income for everyone and a society where people take care of each other, where everybody can feel safe and home. It's really hard or not fair to say why are there people on the streets still in this uh, wealth uh, country like Germany because even here people have some limitations or restriction to be part of the system. Cheers. Right now there are three different petitions in favor of a basic income in front of the German parliament. Also the Pope asked to consider implementing a basic income for the poor. And Spain just started a basic income for its poorest citizens. It almost seems not too much of an utopia anymore, this basic income. There are many different ideas and model projects on how exactly it could work and on how it could be financed. The most common counter-arguments, it's too expensive and people are too lazy and irresponsible anyway. We'll see about that. And even US President Nixon wanted a basic income in the 70s. His draft law made it through Congress but then failed because Democrats wanted an even higher basic income. Or take the money that is lost by tax evasion alone. In the EU, it is about 825 billion euros in just one year, a study done by the University of London says. You could finance quite some basic incomes with that money, hidden in Panama or the Cayman Islands. There's a helicopter. We start our walk through the streets of Berlin at a big shopping center in an area with wasteland, train tracks, bridges and newly built housing complexes not far from the city center. Because of Berlin's history of being an island surrounded by a wall for so many years, there are still many empty spaces left in the city. Bit by bit they are taken by investors in housing projects, so ironically, more and more homeless people lose their improvised homes underneath staircases and abandoned huts or caravans 
because real homes are being built. Warte mal ganz kurz. Wollen wir dann direkt zur U8 rennen? Ja, ja. Wir fahren dann mit der U-Bahn. Und ähm, dann gibt es aber auch wiederum Tage, wo wir dann so eine Sichtungstour haben. There are four of us on this walking tour. Me, Udo, his colleague Andreas and Dominic, a translator for Polish. Because there is quite a high number of people from Eastern Europe, especially Poland, living on the streets of Berlin. They came with big hopes and then crashed on the streets. And there should be another guy. Let's call him Jürgen. He was homeless himself and is now working for Corona as a guide, connecting homeless people and social workers. The city of Berlin is paying him something like a basic income. It's called solidary basic income. And pretty new and pretty unique. It's a pilot project designed for 1,000 unemployed people and a duration of five years. They shall do community-based work in different institutions and organizations in Berlin, in neighborhood projects, in kindergartens or in retirement homes. And therefore then they get money and further training. The homeless guides at Karuna get something like 1,500 euros per month, which is something like the minimum wage for a full-time job in Germany. So it's not an unconditional basic income, but a solidary basic income. You have to put in some community work in order to get it. But today, Jürgen didn't show up. We want to give everybody the opportunity or the chance to make something out of themselves or to be able to feel free and get along in the system again. That's it, you know, we, we have really, really, really low standards about getting into this program and we're giving people on the streets, homeless people, the chance to get out of their uh, misery or to feel like being hurt or important again or being able to, to help themselves again by getting a work, which they are loving to do, you know, people from the streets are able to help their colleagues on the streets, which were living together for years on the streets and now have the chance also getting paid for it to, to prevent them from, I don't know, getting more and more into this misery. You have to be, you know, reliable. That's actually one of the biggest conditions we have. But in Jürgen they trust. He will come again, they say. They know him for quite a while. Around 30 people work on solidary basic income at Karuna. Most of them know from their very own experience how it is to live in the streets. They know about the best places to sleep, the toughest challenges to confront, the easiest reliefs, and also about the secret pathways through Berlin's frustrating bureaucracy. Often they know more than a social worker with a university degree, Udo says. But then there are other things they don't know. Yeah, well, there are some tensions, but that's, I think, a bit normal because uh, without it would be a bit boring or an, our team couldn't develop if there weren't any uh, tensions or any difficult situations. So we're just, um, you know, learning and growing on that, actually. So that's what uh, makes us as a good team also. There's a staircase next to a big supermarket. Udo expected two people living here, but nobody's there. No mattresses, no clothes, no toothbrush, nothing that looks at the least bit like a home. Udo says maybe police drove them away. It's private property of the supermarket. 
A few meters further down the road, underneath the ramp towards a car park, it looks more like a home. There is a room made out of cardboards fixed with gaffer tape. The ramp is the roof. Udo asks politely if he may enter. They know him. He does the same walking around every Wednesday, bringing lunch packages and a 10 euro voucher for groceries. Today they do not want him to enter, so he leaves the two paper bags outside. There's a sandwich inside, a pear, pasta salad, yogurt, a cucumber and a toothbrush. I couldn't imagine myself working uh, in, I don't know, behind a computer. It was always my wish to work with people because I'm good with people, I love people and that's why I choose this work to meet people with different stories and to give them the opportunity, the chance to develop themselves and if I have the chance to help them to develop their freedom, yeah, I'm willing to do that. That's, you know, to be part of the public, of the community, is like to help each other, to be there for everybody and to listen to them and help them without any force or things like that. Udo is 30 years old. He has stitched lots of badges and stickers onto his vest, wears a black bandana around his head and colorful tattoos on his skin. Before Karuna, he was a social worker for refugees, for kids who left their homes without their parents. He listened to horrible and heartwarming stories, he says, war and its atrocities, and people helping each other in solidarity. There was so much pain and paperwork, he says. He had to carry it home with him at night. It's hard not to be overwhelmed sometimes, he says. When COVID reached Germany, most of Berlin's soup kitchens, shelters and medical aid for homeless people were closed because of the pandemic. In these first weeks, his organization Karuna gave homeless people 10 euro bills, donation money. It was up to 1,500 euros a day, five days a week, for two months. So, quite a lot of money. First, it worked. And then we were getting to our um, places where we, we would start to work, and there were like 40, 50, 60 people around. And then it's hard to decide who will get the money and who not. And so there was kind of a big tension or the situation was getting out of hand and people were kind of fighting and then we stopped giving bills away and giving these gift cards from the supermarket but even then there were tension building as well so uh, yeah we had to change a bit the system some people cheated and tried to get more than one bill a day Udo says there was no system behind this 10 euro bill giveaway It was an emergency crisis prevention. In 2009, the city of London invented a system to give homeless people money. 3,000 pounds each, 13 homeless men. Rutger Bregman describes this experiment in his book Utopias for Realists. There were also social workers involved. All in all, the government spent 50,000 pounds in one year for this experiment. Before that, the government had to pay 400,000 pounds a year on these 13 homeless people for police operations, court cases, social services. So, 400,000 compared to 50,000. And now imagine what happened and what did they do, those 13 homeless people? They didn't even spend all the money. 
In 2009, 3,000 pounds were almost the same like 3,000 euros. In average, they just spent 800 pounds in this one year. For example, on mobile phones, on a dictionary and on a hearing aid device. End of that year, seven of them had found themselves a place to stay. There is also a study done by the World Bank that says people barely spend donation money on alcohol or cigarettes. They looked into cases in Latin America and Asia and Africa. What they found? Consumption of alcohol and cigarettes even went down in 82% of the cases. In 82% of the cases when people were given money. We climb over a fence behind the car park. Empty plastic bottles are scattered around in green wilderness. Trees grow out of ruins. It's an old horse carriage compound, taken back by nature. In one shed there's a mattress, some blankets, a plastic chair and a wooden chair. The tree on the side looks like a summer Christmas tree, decorated with cloth, with t-shirts, a red plastic necklace and a Superman costume. But nobody's there. He must have gone to a coffee shop around the corner that provides food and showers for homeless people, Udo says. He knows the man living here. He was born in GDR, former East Germany, and never really made it into the new system of Western Germany, the guys say. A few meters further into the compound lies an old caravan, also abandoned. Drug addicts are living here, the guys say. The owner of the compound knows and allows them to live here. The guys write a note and leave two lunch packages. There are some conditions, you know. Flats and homes are getting more and more expensive, especially in Berlin. People are kicked out of their flats because they are getting expensive. And public places are more and more restricted because uh, some private investor taking this place and build something up, people are getting thrown away. And if they have, I don't know, maybe get into drug abuse, losing their family, losing their flats and losing their jobs and also when they're on the streets, losing their passports, getting really kind of out of the system. So that's why um, it's really hard or not fair to say why are there people on the streets still in this uh, wealth country like Germany. Because even here, people have some limitations or restriction to be part of the system. We arrive at our last stop, at Leopoldplatz. Here, Udo and his colleagues give out the last remaining packages and vouchers amongst a group of homeless. One of them is eager to talk with a microphone, but only in German. He says he's of great rarity, a seldom character to find, because his homelessness is voluntary. He gave up his flat and job and moved into the woods. Every Wednesday he comes to the marketplace to meet like-minded people and get the lunch package. He discusses community gardening and tiny house projects with Udo and Dominic. He says he was doing this online carbon dioxide calculator and everything was kind of okay, except for his housing. His flat, a 40 square meters flat, was just producing too much carbon dioxide, he thought. So he made this radical decision to move into the woods. Almost a year ago now. 
He didn't tell his friends and family he didn't want to hear their comments. So he just did it, he says. And he became friends with Udo and the guys. And now it's kind of a real connection, friendship. It develops more and more. And now we're just not talking about uh, homelessness right now. The simple things you do with your friend. And that's what I understand about taking care of people. It's not just being there for, for uh, prevention or doing crisis or when people are feeling bad because of everything. You know, when you're calling your friend, you're not, or, or not just only there for crisis prevention or something like that. You're also there because it's your friend and you are concerned about him and you want to know how he feels, what he's doing and maybe, you know, get into it as well. Udo believes basic income could work. Because he believes in solidarity and in a society where people are taking care of each other. That the people are aware that not everybody on the streets is aware of taking care of themselves, but just to have a look and are not too shy to ask somebody, even if you don't know this person or a bit scared about this person because of his condition, don't be shy, just ask him how does he feel and You can always refer him to somebody or to, to any organization or to us and build a nice place for everybody that everybody feels safe in their own way. So that would be my kind of utopia. And do you have an unresolved question, an unanswered question, something that's always coming up to you while working in this field? Yeah, Why the, is it happening that this and that? Yeah, the, the limitations about the governments, you know, by getting a passport, by getting uh, into the healthcare system, by getting into any project or work and something like that. Why are there so many limitations? These limitations just giving these people less and less hope to be part of their system. I don't know why are there so many limitations. Karuna, the name of Udo's organization, it is a central concept of Buddhist spiritual training and ethics. It describes the virtue of compassion, love and mercy, empathy. Udo's Karuna, you can find on Instagram and Facebook. We'll link it in the show notes. Also his utopia of a kind and cooperative society where the poorest of the poor are seen as equal. Thank you for listening. Tell me what you think. Whom else shall I talk to? What topics would you like to know more about? You can reach us via Instagram, Facebook or email radio.utopistan at posteo.de so far, we are all working for Radio Topistan without any basic income. But we are about to create a system to enable us to produce more episodes, more utopias. First step, we are on Patreon now. You can support us there. Link in the show notes also. Next step, tune in and you'll find out. Also, if you want to put in some questions for my next guests, when we know who it is, We'll post it on Facebook and Instagram, so follow us there and give us your questions. Music, Robert Pilgram. Illustration, Christina Anas. Proofreading, fantastic Fiona Weber-Steinhaus, who just published an impressive article on Ebola, Congo and COVID. That will also be linked in the show notes. Bye-bye so far. I leave you with some German words by this voluntary homeless guy I met on our walking round. See you.
Ja, ich lebe jetzt seit einem Jahr auf der Straße und äh, habe mir ein Zelt im Wald aufgebaut und äh, versuche so rauszukriegen, äh, wie viel der Mensch eigentlich zum Leben braucht. Also ich habe mich quasi downgraded. Also, ja, und bin, bin eigentlich nicht obdachlos, sondern so gesehen wohnungslos. Ne? Ja? Ja, wie gesagt, ich habe halt, halt ein Zelt, ne? das Wind und Wetter standgehalten hat ne? und auch den Winter, den wir eigentlich letztes Jahr oder die letzte Saison gar nicht hatten, weil wir hatten ja eigentlich ja, kaum Minustemperaturen gehabt. Ja, ich will ja nicht, nicht nur im Wald sein, sondern ein bisschen Leben auch. Ne? Und ich sammle halt Flaschen. Und davon lebe ich dann. Ne? Und ähm, seit Corona nutze ich auch die Hilfestrukturen. Also hier haben wir so, ein, so eine Einrichtung, wo man Kaffee kriegt, wo man seine Wäsche waschen kann für einen Euro. Ne? Ja, und, und dann halt auch hier Corona, ne? genau. Ja, also nicht seit, seit Corona das nutze ich dann jetzt auch. Vorher habe ich das überhaupt nicht genutzt. Ne? Bin dann halt immer halt rumgelaufen, Flaschen gesammelt, hier in Mitte. Aber es gibt ja kaum Touristen. Ne? Ja, und da braucht man gar nicht mehr Flaschen suchen. Ne? Ja, also das ist schon ziemlich dramatisch, was sich da äh, sich auswirkt. Aber ein Vorteil hat es, hatte es am Anfang, diese Einschränkungen, dass man quasi gelernt hat, der Staat kann Veränderungen durchsetzen. Also das ist halt für den Klimawandel ganz wichtig, finde ich. Und wenn man sieht, wie, viel, wie, wie gerade so diese Flugbewegungen runtergefahren wurden, ich fand es klasse eigentlich. Ich habe mir vorher ausgerechnet, so, es gibt ja so einen Rechner, der, der persönliche CO2-Verbrauch. Und da war ich eigentlich immer ganz gut, außer beim Wohnraum. Da, da lag ich eigentlich noch über den dem notwendigen Schnitt ne? ja, und, und dann auch, was man hat so zu Hause. Nicht? Braucht man den ganzen, sag ich mal, Plunder, ne? okay, jetzt negativ ausgedrückt, nicht? oder die ganzen Sachen, ne? die elektronischen Geräte, die Küchengeräte, die vielen Kleidung, ne? ja. braucht man das überhaupt? Nicht? Oder mit wie viel kommt man eigentlich aus, um auch einigermaßen gut zu leben? Ne? Ja? Und ich habe festgestellt, man braucht wirklich gar, gar nicht viel. Nicht? Okay, das ist jetzt die die ganz extreme andere Seite. Ne? Dann habe ich mich halt entschieden, ja, versuchst du mal diese Herausforderung, dieses Experiment, ziehst jetzt in den Wald ne? und was danach kommt, schauen wir mal. Ne? Ja. Man wusste ja da, oder ich wusste vor, vor einem Jahr nicht, nichts von Corona, ne? keine Ahnung hatten wir davon. Ne? Ja, und, ja. Das ist ja super spannend, was für eine mutige Entscheidung. Ja, ne? Also, was Neues anfangen, ne? aufgegeben, weg. Ne? Alles weg. Alles weg, nicht verkauft. Ne? Davon habe ich dann auch noch gelebt ein Stück weit. Ne? Ja. Und dann ja, raus, ne? raus in den Wald. Ne? Zelt geschnappt. Ne? Ähm, 40. Also jetzt gar nicht groß, aber das ist eigentlich zu viel. Ne? Ja, das, das, das schlägt ein. Nicht? Ja. Und ich bin jetzt darauf gekommen, eigentlich reichen so 10 Quadratmeter für die persönliche Entwicklung aus. Nicht? Plus dann natürlich so ein bisschen Küche, Bad und so. Ne? Wobei sowas könnte man auch gemeinschaft nutzen, gemeinschaftlich nutzen. Nicht? Ja, aber die, die, die ganzen Wohnungen, die wir haben, sind eigentlich viel zu groß. Nicht? Also man könnte auch Wohnraum wunderbar aufteilen, nicht? um die Menschen hier unterzubringen. Nicht? Ja, also äh, es gibt ja Menschen, gerade Ältere, die wohnen in Riesenwohnungen, weil sie da vorher mit ihren Familien gewohnt haben, können gar nicht umziehen, weil, weil sie dann eventuell mehr Miete zahlen, als sie in ihrer Riesenwohnung zahlen. Ne? 
Ja, also ich habe niemandem was gesagt. Ne? Ich habe abgebrochen. Ne? Ich habe einen Schnitt gemacht und äh, war ganz für mich allein. Erst, ne? ja? Und ja, weil ich glaube, die Menschen verstehen das noch nicht wirklich. Ne? Es gibt halt diese paar Leute, das sind wirklich wenige. Also von, von Fridays for Future sind ja. Es wird immer klar, große Bewegung. So groß ist die Bewegung gar nicht. Es sind eigentlich, die sich wirklich bewusst entscheiden, ihr Leben zu verändern nicht? oder ein Stück weit auch nur zu verändern, sind eigentlich ganz wenige. Viele behaupten zwar, man müsse was tun, ja, man müsse äh, weniger Fleisch essen, nicht? man müsse biologisch essen oder sich ernähren oder sonst wie, nicht? oder anders leben. Nicht? Ja. Aber diese, diese Entscheidung zu treffen, irgendwas zu machen, nicht? in seinem eigenen Leben, ne? ja. anstatt eine Forderung zu stellen an die Politik, ne? ja. also das fällt den meisten, den aller, allermeisten ganz schwer. Nicht? Die machen... Ne, die, die sehen das nicht ein. Ja, ich habe mich rausgeschlichen. Ich habe mich aus dem Leben geschlichen. Ja. Ja. Raus. Ja. Wie sah dein Leben vorher Schneiden wir. Lassen wir lieber. Hattest du einen Job oder hattest du keinen Job? Ich war freiberuflich und beruflich. Ne, beim Verein tätig. Ne. Karikativ im weitesten Sinne. Ne. Zur Jahrtausendfinde bin ich Matrizie gefahren. Ich war Tellerwäscher. Ich, ich war Lieferant. Was habe ich noch gemacht? Ne. Also Eisverkäufer war ich auch schon mal. Ne. Ja, alles Mögliche schon gemacht, ne, jobmäßig. Ne. Ja, also, äh, querbeet, nicht, nicht ausprobiert. Ne. Ja, ja. Äh, neue Herausforderungen grundsätzlich. Ne. Immer wieder was neu anzufangen nicht, also, und nie stehen bleiben. Weil dieses Stehenbleiben, das machen so viele Menschen. Nicht. Die, die sind dann in ihrem Alltagstrott drin. Ne. Die, die arbeiten für die Weihnachtsgeschenke und für den Urlaub und für die Geburtstagsgeschenke und vielleicht für die nächste Party. Nicht. Und das ist dann ihr, ihr Leben. Ne. Ja, und und, und so ein Leben gefällt mir eigentlich nicht. Also, das hat mir nie wirklich gefallen. Und jetzt? Wie geht's dir jetzt? Ja, es ist ein Auf und Ab. Ne? Ja, es ist, mal geht's gut. Nicht? Das liegt auch ein bisschen am Wetter. Nicht? Wobei, ähm, eigentlich sind wir ja wir hier in diesem Lande ja eigentlich ganz gut mit dem Wetter zugange, wenn man draußen lebt zumindest. Ne? Zumal ja gerade in diesen Corona-Zeiten mit diesen ja, Zwei-Bett-, Vier-Bett-, Acht-Bett-Zimmern das sowieso ein Problem ist in diesen Notübernachtungen. Nicht? Da ist ja die Infektionsgefahr sehr viel größer als jetzt hier auf der Straße. Nicht? Also deswegen wohnen ja auch eigentlich die meisten Obdachlosen lieber auf der Straße, als in diese Notübernachtung zu gehen. Nicht? Ja, also. Nee, leider nicht. Ich Nein, ich habe keine. Du hast Fragen über Geld. Fragen darf ich alles. Ich kann sagen, keine Frage. Frage nicht so. Ja, also. Ha, 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 ha.